Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. The outdated laws, lack of resources, and bad court decisions effectively give them a free ticket into America. Information about the weaknesses in our system have spread quickly in Central America. In fact, they are advertised. And our booming economy under President Trump has made the dangerous journey even more attractive to migrants. As a result, the flow of families and children has become a flood. In the past five years, we have seen a 620% increase in families, or those posing as families, apprehended at the border. This last fiscal year was the highest on record. And of great concern to me is that the children are being used as pawns to get into our country. We have encountered encycling, recycling rings where innocent young people are used multiple times to help aliens gain illegal entry. As a nation, we simply cannot stand for this. We must fix the system. Sir, we need, uh, we need a barrier. We, we cannot take operational control of the border without it. And so. And, and I would agree, it's your opinion and the opinion of experts that, that you've spoken with, without a physical barrier, it would be all but impossible for us to secure our border from those people seeking to introduce the poison that we know as whether it be cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, fentanyl from entering uh, our country through our southwest border. Yes, sir. The professionals speak in terms of, on a risk-based way, of vanishing time. In other words, there are parts of the border where the cities in Mexico and the United States are so close together that a drug a smuggler or a mule can disappear in a matter of seconds into the United States without a physical barrier. Not that uh, we want to call it an emergency or anything like that, right? Because it's uh, it's only an emergency, apparently, to Donald Trump and millions of Americans. I, I just, you know, these are those moments when I look at what the, the media is covering and I just, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe that they are that removed from everyday reality, the kind of reality that you and I live in. You know, those of us who have kids or grandkids in, in schools and who, who go to these places, these uh, facilities, and we see... Uh, no security or lack of security. We see classes that are overcrowded. We see uh, a disproportionate number of children who don't speak English and who will take some time before they catch up so that these schools can improve their ratings. Uh, they don't see that in Washington. They don't see hospital waiting rooms where there are people who are not even citizens of this country who will get medical care while citizens of this country and their children are deprived of medical care. It's, they don't see that from their lofty perches in Washington, D.C. But we see it. We see it all the time. And we don't understand how the media could continue to pretend that it's not real. To tell us that this is a, a fake fraud uh, controversy, this crisis, and that's what it is at the border. Children being used as pawns. Women's who, women who are being raped. 
And then you have these these this disgusting members of Congress who speak to the to the uh, uh, Secretary of Ho- Department of Homeland Security in a manner like this. I, I I don't even know if I should play it because it's so vile, it's so foul. But but you need to know, you need to know how beneath contempt they are. Um, I want to turn to I want to turn to a, a slide that I have. Um, if we can put it up, there it is. You testified that asylum seekers are not being turned away at the ports of entry. Was that your testimony here today? They are not turned away. They are brought in. I'm not sure if you're talking about the migrant protection protocol, but in that case... Any asylum seeker who comes to a port of entry, you, you basically have to just said... They make their claim. Okay, well, let me tell you, Madam Secretary, either you're lying to this committee or you don't know what's happening at the border. And I have been there firsthand, and I have seen it twice. More recently, it just happened on Saturday, when I happened to be crossing the border with my mother. And I heard a gentleman say, I'm from Honduras, I want to apply for asylum. He was already at the turnstile at the Ped West entry. And the agent said, sir, unless you have a visa, you need to leave, you need to go away. They didn't say what you just said people do. They didn't say, here is where you go get on a list. They didn't say, here is the information where you go get access to counsel. As a matter of fact, I pulled out my phone, I started to record, and you know what, I was asked to stop recording. Why? Because they don't want the American people knowing what is happening at that southern border. And Madam Secretary, I don't know if you know what's happening or if this is happening without you knowing, but it's totally unacceptable. And as a member of this committee, you're darn right I'm going to hold this you accountable for knowing what's happening at the bottom. Do you know? Do you know that two members of Congress had to sleep overnight and spend 14 hours in the cold on the concrete at the Ote May support of entry so that Maria, the woman who was tear gassed at the port of entry, would be allowed to present herself because she was on U.S. soil and legally that's what asylum allows? Did you know that? Ma'am, what I know is I would ask you... Yes or no? Did you know that two members of Congress had to do that? No, and uh, we find it hard to believe that they had to do that. This is a freak show. What you saw yesterday was a freak show. These people really are more concerned about the illegal immigrants' rights than they are about the American people's opinions, or rights, for that matter. You can't. You can't make this stuff up. If they knew how bad they look, well, I guess they don't think they look bad. I think to their uh, base, they look heroic or something, you know, that they're standing up to this this bruja, this witch. Uh, Kirsten Nielsen, I actually saw a headline in a publication, a Spanish, Hispanic publication, a Spanish language publication, which said, La bruja habla. The witch speaks with a picture of the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen uh, under that headline. I mean, guys, they dehumanize members of law enforcement. They dehumanize other members of Congress. It's vile. And really, oh, look, can we carry this, uh, Nancy Pelosi? Uh, presser right now where she says the resolution will address all forms of hatred that's right no i guess not that's the wrong um station well anyway she is now saying the uh, resolution will not mention 
the anti-Semite by name. It won't even mention just anti-Semitism. It'll be a blanket resolution opposing hate. Like, really? Congress needs a blanket resolution opposing hate? Uh, hate is actually a part of Congress? It's all right. She's done. Um, that's amazing to me that they would actually need a resolution. It's not done. I don't know if it's done or not. But uh, this would have been an important press conference if we had just gotten a bit of a heads up. I don't think they uh, the, that the media even knew it was about to take place. Um, so we'll see. But apparently they are going to be voting. The Republicans will never fail to have their xenophobic motions to recommit. Oh, my God. She's actually going after the Republicans instead of going after the anti-Semitism in her own caucus. This woman is delusional. She don't look too well, though. She looks pretty uh, exhausted. Do we have it? We're trying to get the speakers uh, having a breaking news conference here. Let's see. ...to recommit, but that's housekeeping. That's not policy making. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh, obviously, Leader McConnell was very close to H.R. 1 um, yeah. yesterday. He said, I believe we can actually win elections against people who vote for this. Do you think H.R. 1 puts any pressure on um, some of your members in purple districts? No, no. In fact, many of the members in the purple districts are the ones who are the strongest proponents for H.R. 1, so I appreciate your question. H.R. Uh, who is... Uh, what the senator is saying, and, and with all the respect in the world for uh, his leadership role, he has also said the problem is not that there's too much money in politics, Mitch McConnell said. It's that there's not enough money in politics. Well, we vehemently, completely, thoroughly disagree. But it's about money in politics and what a... Um, uh, how that destroys the confidence people have in the political process, but also it's about voter suppression. And so whatever they say, what they are voting, when they say they're against H.R. 1, they are against removing obstacles of participation to voting in our country. How do you explain that to our founders? I did everything in my power, founders, to make sure that people did not have access to the polling place, those who were eligible to vote, and to be sure that they could vote and that their vote would be counted as cast. I don't know if you were here when I announced my Too Hot to Handle Club, I think it was last week. We just have to make some of these issues too hot to handle in the public. The shutdown of government was too hot to handle. When we event long ago passed the Wet Violence Against Women Act, which is coming up again, we made it too hot to handle because the Republicans would not bring it up in the House. Uh, so along the way, um, the public weighing in on this, overwhelmingly the public supports removing voter suppression, lowering the role of big, dark, special interest money in politics, and, uh, again, re uh, respecting the rights Planned of those Parenthood. who are eligible to vote, vote and have it be counted as Illegals cast. should be allowed to vote. doing a translation live time. What kind of evidence does the uh, House right now have on Trump to launch all these investigations on, on him? And 
Couldn't this possibly be an overreach and no. essentially... No, this is our uh, constitutional uh, responsibility to have oversight over the executive branch. And the evidence that they will have is what they will gather doing the oversight, bringing truth to the American people. I salute the committee for the action that they have taken. If we were not to exercise oversight over the executive branch, we would be delinquent in our duties. ウィッシュデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライン、フォーデッドライ
system, not not of the Palestinians. Great thing is in their retraction or clarification, whatever you want to call it. They said it is important in the daily to clarify that it respects freedom of opinion and expression, <laughs> which is anchored in Palestinian basic law and is committed to it, and that this freedom is not banned or subjected to censorship. Since we are a democratic state, what? What the, the the president is serving his fifteenth year of a four year term? Uh, Democrat? Not. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional. Serve from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. So the uh, bad news is that we're going to lose an hour of sleep uh, late Sunday, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Um, and the good news is that our senior senator, Marco Rubio, feels the pain of daylight savings time. And, and he has, again, um, put forward a bill. Well, we actually passed one here in the state of Florida, but it didn't quite get through uh, in D.C. where it would need to uh, regarding... Um, well, you know, just not having to do this anymore. Um, there are a lot of reasons to not do it. Number one, um, it really makes people miserable. So I've invited, uh, I don't have a call screen on, I've invited a guest, Scott Yates. He's a writer and inventor and the founder of three tech startups. He's also an entrepreneur in residence at Cable Labs. And he, um, he knows a lot more about daylight savings and what the emotions are that go along with it. How are you, Scott? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, the emotions are a big part of it, though. I, it, there's a lot of logic and reason, but the emotions are certainly a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, for someone like me, I, I just don't even understand why we still do this. I mean, according to my research, this was all premised on uh, farmers who needed an extra hour of sunlight to do, you know, yeah. chores. And uh, they're not that many farmers. And anyway, they're all institutionalized now, so it doesn't matter what time it is. The cows will get milked. Well, and it turns out that it's never been about the farmers. The, the reason that we think it's about the farmers was a big PR con job by a big retailer up in Boston who wanted more daylight after work so people could spend more time shopping. But he knew that if he went out to the legislature and said, hey, we should have more time for people to shop, that he wouldn't be able to get it passed. So he said uh, he literally hired a PR firm, and the PR firm said, I know, let's say that it's because of the farmers. And then everybody will want to do it because everybody loves the farmers. But it turns out the farmers have always hated it. They hated it then. They hate it now. <laughs> I, I went and testified to the state legislature in Nebraska. And I got to tell you, there were no farmers that were there saying, yeah, we really need daylight saving. In fact, they were saying that it's a bad thing, that it makes it harder for the cows because the, the milking machines are done on a clock now. Right. And, and so the cows are goofed up for about a week, twice a year. So it's <laughs> never been about the farmers. The goofed up like we are because you know my problem is it takes me like a week to catch up yeah yeah it's a mess there are a lot of people that get messed up and then and for some people it's just kind of being groggy but for some people it's really deadly they, you know the the best academic studies i've seen show that heart attacks go up 
traffic accidents go up, workplace accidents go up, strokes, uh, epileptic seizures, like the, the, the number of significant health problems, it, it really is something that can't be ignored anymore. It's really a, a, you know, it used to be kind of a quirky policy issue. Now it's a legitimate public policy thing that needs to be talked about. So why do you think they don't talk about it? I mean, with the exception of some state legislatures, Washington doesn't want to tackle this, and it's a national issue. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, my son told me that, uh, you know, progress is the opposite uh, of, or, uh, sorry, pro is the opposite of con, and so progress is the opposite of Congress. <laughs> uh, you know, nothing really gets done there, so I, I guess it's not surprising. Um, you know, I, it is a legitimate public policy issue. I, I'm glad Rubio, Senator Rubio, is, is, you know, he saw that the bill passed so convincingly through the Florida legislature, and then he offered a bill he did a bunch of research. Well, actually, what he did, if you go and look at it, uh, somebody on his staff went and copied all of my research and just put it on his press release. Oh. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not too mad about that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I didn't get any credit, but that's okay. But anyway, it'd be great if he could actually get that bill passed, but I just don't, you know, I think it's hard to just get any attention paid to anything these days in Washington. <laughs> so, you know, there are things that states could do. Florida, if they wanted to, could actually fix it right now. It would be a little weird because what Florida would have to do is move into the Atlantic time zone, you know, move one time zone over to the east, and then just announce that they're going to be in standard time year-round. So that would be the same as being in daylight saving time year-round. Oh. They would just have a different name. That's what a bunch of New England states are looking at. Wow. I know that Puerto Rico also uh, doesn't uh, change the clocks at this time. That's where I'm from. And, um, you know, when I call my, my papa in PR, there's an hour difference. Right. Uh, there is now, but then there won't be right. starting next week, right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I got to tell you, I've talked to people in Puerto Rico, Arizona, and Hawaii, and, you know, everyone's so wild. Just, they, they talk about, hey, maybe we should start changing twice a year to keep in step with the rest of the country. But the people in those states will tell you, no, we like it. We love it. We don't want to change the clocks twice a year. Nice. We like it just the way it is. We don't care if it's confusing for other people. What, they're the ones that are changing around. It's their problem, not our problem. We like keeping it the same. Let me ask you a question. When I was growing up, and I'm not going to reveal my age, but uh, we changed the clocks every six months. And now it seems as though if you're doing it in the, the second Sunday in March and the first Sunday in November, you got eight months of daylight savings time. Yeah, yeah, it was extended uh, back during uh, uh, President uh, George H. W. Bush, and uh, and the idea was to see if it would there would be some energy savings, and indeed there was. Uh, that was the reason for shifting it earlier in the spring. The the reason for shifting it later in the fall, and this will make you a little cynical. Mm -hmm. The candy lobbyists <laughs> showed up with a basket of candy for every member of Congress, and they said, "We need more daylight for the trick or treaters. It's all about safety." And, uh, of course, it was really about, you know, selling more candy. Yeah. But uh, Congress agreed with that, and so that's why we don't change now until the first week of November. In Europe, they still change earlier in October, and so they didn't adopt the earlier and later times for what they call summertime. So, it's very, you know, for people that have to do business with Europe, it's very confusing because the time changes uh, uh, for a few weeks, you know, changes in, at one point in March and then changes again and then changes again in October, and then changes again in November. And wow. like for computer programmers, it drives them crazy. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, making the computers work on all these different time zones, it's nuts.
Yeah, I got to tell you, I I am flying across the country this weekend, so I have a three-hour time change I have to deal with, and then early Sunday morning, I've got another time change happening, um, and I'm not looking forward to it. I feel as though it's going to make it much harder for me. You know, it's hard for a lot of people, and and I've been encouraging people on Monday morning, if there are any employers out there, they should tell all of their employees that they can come into work an hour late on on Monday mm-hmm. because the the, the 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 time when there's all the traffic accidents is that Monday after the spring forward time change because your alarm clock is going off an hour earlier than you're expecting it, and it just throws everything off. And because of that, there's this big rash of traffic accidents. Oh, wow. So, I, you know, if you're a boss, if you're an employer anywhere in the Palm Beach area, you should tell all your employers all your employees, sleep in for safety. We're just going to open an hour late. We're going to start business an hour late. Everything is going to be fine. You'll probably be a lot safer. Your employees will be safer. You'll actually probably get more done because people have actually gotten enough sleep. Wow. That's an interesting idea. I'll tell you what, though. My husband is a pastor, and he he dreads Sunday morning because half of the congregation will show up late um, because yeah. they, clocks, they didn't change their clocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that might just be their excuse, right? Because uh, exactly. the clocks actually change. Uh, you know, now with the iPhones, they change automatically, so it's a little less hassle than it used to be. Yeah. But, you know, there's always that one clock in the car or the microwave, right. and it just drives you completely nuts. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to church. You shouldn't use that as an excuse not to go to church. But, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to yeah. suggest to him that maybe he put, he put it off for an hour. On the day that that daylight savings time starts, and see if uh, the congregation is grateful and shows up on time. You know that would be a great idea, and 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 actually, you know, that would be in the best interest of health and safety too. You know, we're all pretty sleep deprived. None of us are getting enough sleep these days. There's all so much. There's so much stuff. Yeah. And and you know, if we could just get an extra hour of sleep, that's why that fall one is so nice. But uh, uh, so there's less deadly stuff after the fall time change. But uh, but then you got the problem of going home from work in the in, in the dark. dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah. quite as much of a problem in Florida, but as it is like in up in New England and places uh-huh. like that. But yeah, it's it's a problem for everybody. The change of the clocks is the thing that's so disruptive. Yeah, it really is. Are there more states? I mean, obviously, you mentioned Nebraska that you testified there. We know Florida has been, you know, trying to get this done. Actually, the person who's now our lieutenant governor, Jeanette Nunes, was the sponsor of this bill in the state uh, Senate and House, and, uh, you know, there's not much she can do, even from her now lofty position. But are there other states trying this? Yeah, in fact, California had a vote of the people, and and the vote was a little complicated because, you know, (laughs) California is so wacky with their propositions. But uh, they had a proposition that would would, would make it so that the legislature could fix it, and that proposition passed with 60% of the vote. So it's very popular among the people. Uh, now the legislature is looking at, at, at taking the next steps and fixing it for California. And uh, I actually keep a, a track of all of the different legislation that's going on around the country right. on my site, which is sco.tt slash time. And if you go there, there's a, a button called uh, um, uh, uh, state legislation, state laws. And, and right now I'm tracking 31 states that have a bill going on. And I think it's 63 different bills that are, are addressing daylight saving time, which is, I've been tracking this for four years now, five years now. And uh, this is by far the most states that we've ever had, the most bills that are getting further into the session. So 
this is a real thing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's uh, probably the only completely nonpartisan issue in this very yeah. uh, angry time. You know, like we can all agree that we don't like changing our clocks. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there really is no partisan thing. You know, I, I, I put on my blog that, there, you know, if you want to make a conservative argument, you can make the argument that, you know, this is sort of government overreach. Uh, the government shouldn't be involved in, in, you know, shouldn't, you know, like if, if you don't believe in the government should have, uh, a, a too active a role in your life, what's more active than sneaking into your house and moving your alarm, your alarm clock early by an hour? Right. You know, if somebody did that to you, you'd be pretty mad at them, and, but the government does it, and somehow we're not mad at it. Yeah, well, uh, and then if you uh, happen to be liberal and, and, and you're concerned, for instance, about the environment, there is a significant energy savings that would come with being on daylight saving time year-round. So, you know, there, there's liberal and conservative arguments you could make, but really what it comes down to is just this is a good government thing. Yeah. There's no good government reason to do this. And so let's let's do away with it. Let's not keep doing it just because we always have. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for coming on. Uh, you added a lot to the discussion because usually I just get on on Monday and rant and rave. Um, but I thought maybe we should look at this a little more um, seriously because it, if it bothers me as much as it does, I'm sure it's bothering everybody else. And you've just literally confirmed that. So thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. All right. Hey, happy to do it. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. Take care. I'll talk to you in uh, November when the clocks move again. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll, we'll be right back. I'll tell you, it's just getting worse and worse out there. You know, Nancy Pelosi now saying she doesn't believe that uh, Ilhan Omar's words were based on an anti-Semitic attitude. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around that. We finally did hear from uh, Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and um, there's some outrage on the part of the Jews that are sitting in the Democratic caucus, and there should be. Um, you just, you, you have to wonder, like, what, what's, what's going to happen? If you've got a divide in the party over a subject as clear as, as anti anti-semitism i mean this shouldn't be rocket science this should not divide a party this should be something that they all unanimously agree about and say no no we're not the party that's going to tolerate that but then again you know this is the party that now tolerates infanticide and late-term abortion this is the party that now uh, operates under the uh, delusion that americans are actually uh, in line with that kind of thinking this is the party that feels as though illegal immigrants should have the same rights or even more rights than American citizens. This is the party that believes that uh, there's not a crisis at the border, that this is just made up in the president's uh, head or something. This is the party. And I think this is really um, something that that we need to, to start looking at. This is the party that is more concerned with trashing Donald Trump than it is with governing for the American people. And I find that stunning. Because how do you get back into power uh, simply because you're the, quote, opposition party? And by the way, in the beginning, the first two months, they had some success. They should be building on that success, not uh, doing everything within their power to diminish and make me forget <laughs> what success they had. The the idea, and this is not just an idea anymore, it's been 
pretty much established that um, the Department of Homeland Security chief or, or secretary should be treated in the manner that she was treated yesterday by a commission um, is beyond my comprehension. It really is. It, it leads me to believe that anything affiliated with Trump or this administration, anything whatsoever, is going to be trashed, including people who are doing their jobs. I mean, Bridget Nielsen is a public service employee. For all intents and purposes, you know, she should be protected by other public service employees, not attacked by unions, not attacked um, for trying to enforce laws as that veritable Congress uh, had passed them. And instead, you know, the, the, this endless, this endless attack against administration officials and the family of the president is, it's hard to wrap your mind around. Um, if anybody had ever attempted to do this, even to Bill Clinton during the impeachment hearing, um, it would have been, it would have brought ruin, ruination on the Republican Party. But if you, apparently the Democrat Party can get away with just about anything, including ignoring um, the obvious. Today they're doing a whole uh, expose on MSLSD about the opioid overdoses among African Americans. Apparently that's more important to them than just opioid overdoses in general, right? You know, uh, is there enough Narcan in the black community? You know, really, why don't you look at how these drugs are getting into the country? Why don't you try and um, help to cut down the traffic of opioids and fentanyl through our southern border? Um, that might be um, a little more relevant to the African-American community and the white community. Oh, boy. And then there's that billboard. Whites have rights. <laughs> 